0: Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Baptism is about action. Baptism is about action. It's about, let's see, it's about action that identifies us with what we believe. It's a deed that expresses what we believe after we recognize what God has done for us. Baptism is an action of obedience. It's an action of obedience, which leads me to my first point. Man, this is the first time I've ever been to a first point like five minutes in. You guys should all be excited, high-fiving each other, going, yeah, this is going to be good, right? Okay, so the first point today is baptism is the believer's first step of obedience, Okay, the very first step of obedience. And one of the last things Jesus ever said, when he was kind of giving his goodbye goodbye speech to his disciples, recorded in, in Matthew chapter 28, you guys all know this, you've heard this a million times. He says this, he goes, says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now you notice he says, go make disciples and baptize them. He's saying, man, don't just sit on the message. Don't just sit on what you know about me. Don't just sit on what you've seen about me, right? Don't, don't sit on your testimony of what I've done in your life, but go out and lead others to me. And when those who hear the message and say yes to the message and they want to press in, they want to be more involved in following Jesus, they want to be a disciple, then make sure you baptize them. That's really a non-negotiable. He wants because why, why would he say that in the sequence? Why would he say, go make disciples and baptize them? If, if it wasn't a good negotiable thing, then he would have said that. You, oh, you don't want to get your hair wet in front of other people? Oh, no problem, don't do it right? Oh, you don't want this to happen? Ah, oh, no problem. Don't do it. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's a big deal to God. Now, baptism isn't salvation. So, I mean, you can be saved and not get baptized and that's, that works. But there's more to this thing. There's, there's a spiritual element to it, which we're going to bring out in our third point. But there's a spiritual element to this. And so what he wants, wants to make sure is, you know what, that it's just not in our head but that it actually drops down into our heart. Because when things drop down into our heart, then there's always a corresponding action to it. And the best way to describe that, that I can tell is kind of like, you might get this, um, when when you first started like dating someone, right? You thought, oh, that person's really nice. Maybe we should go out on a date. So you start to date and you're just kind of talking back and forth and stuff like that. But it hasn't quite dropped down in your heart that, hey, this is the one, right? And so, you know, you're kind of just back and forth. So it's kind of just this head, head thing going on. But then all of a sudden, when something drops in your heart that, you know, what you're like, man, that's the one, then you'll do anything and everything you can to show that person your love, right? Everything. And so that's kind of what it's talking about. Once it drops from your head into your heart, there's this corresponding action that always hap- that happens, so Jesus was saying, it's not enough to talk about it. you got to be about it. Okay. It's not enough to talk about it. you got to be about it. Because baptism shows the inward work of your heart manifesting in an outward declaration. The inward work of the heart manifesting and declaring, making outward, de- outward, de- outward declaration that man, you know what? I am a follower of Jesus. I follow him. So if we're really those people, right? If we say, man, Jesus is Lord. He's my savior. He's my everything. Then you know what? We got to stop talking about it and we got to start doing something about it. And we need to follow his example. What's so great is Jesus set us, set us up because he gives us ex- examples in the word. Okay. So turn to Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to kind of look at this um, example. But this example starts all the way back when, um, with a guy named John. John the baptizer, right? That's how he got John the Baptist, because he was a baptizer. And so John would travel to places. He was kind of the first evangelist, right? Right? He would go and travel places and he would tell people, hey, man, this is what God is doing. This is what God is up to. This is what's going on. And the amazing thing about John, get this, John only had one message he ever wrote. One. Every single message he gave had three points. And it never, ever changed. Crazy, huh? Like, you know, every single week, if you just came and I just said the same message over and over, you'd probably leave and go, ah, oh, here we go again. He's saying the same things over and over again. No, you want some variety. That's why you go to like restaurants because sometimes you want different stuff. I do know people though that will only order the same thing every single time when they're at a restaurant. To me, that is kind of boring. You got to kind of branch out a little bit, right? But so anyways, he's, he's got these three points. Here they, here they are. You ready? First point, Repent. John always said, hey, repent. Turn from whatever you are doing and thinking that is not of God. So that's kind of the first requirement of baptism. If you think about it, we got to repent. We got to turn from what we're doing. We got to turn from what we're thinking that is opposite of God and turn to God. Giving our life to him. The next one, right? Well, I kind of gave it away already. Turn to God. So he says, repent. Then he says, turn to God, right? Don't fix your attention on anything else but God. But wouldn't you say we get really good at, at fixing our attention at other things? Yeah, you know, some of us are, are worse than others. You know, it's kind of that squirrel, 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 squirrel. When we're supposed to be focusing over there, we're watching the squirrel go that way. I tend to be that way sometimes. But see, we have, we're really easy. But see, John's trying to tell us, turn to God. Fix your attention solely on on God. And then the third of thing, you guys know what he said? The third thing, get baptized, right? So he said, repent, turn to God, get baptized. Now, baptism, that the Greek word for that is baptizo, meaning to dip, to immerse, to plunge, to sink, to submerge. And in some references, it even talks about kind of this purifying of like washing when you're purifying something. In, in the Middle Eastern, Christians, some Middle Eastern Christians have translated the word, in their version of the New Testament is this, as immersing them into the name. As immersing them into the name, meaning that they would, they, that, I'm sorry, meaning they would understand the word to regard the divine name of God. They understood that when you got baptized, man, you were, you were being baptized into the divine name of God. Like, man, there's, there's a spiritual impact when it, when it comes to that. And so they, they, they they've translated it that way because it would speak to them more deeply about the importance of what baptism is. Okay, so in Matthew 3, John show, I mean, Jesus shows up in one of John's river crusades, we'll say. Okay, and this is what it says in verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to uh, the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Can you just imagine that? That dialogue is like, what? But then Jesus said, it shall be done. Now, you, now, this is so important, okay? But Jesus said, it shall be done. Now, this is Jesus talking. It shall be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So wait a minute. God requires baptism? Ooh, Wow. Okay. And then it says John agreed to baptize. See, he can't argue with that. He can't argue with God. Even John knew that. And John's like, all right, man. That's what you say. Let's go. Let's go do this thing. Okay. And we all know the story. You know, he gets baptized. Dove comes down. God's voice shows up. Okay. But these, this is a step into your journey. Baptism. But God said it should be done. And so this is something that God requires of you and I when we have the opportunity to get baptized. Now, if you've already done it, great, man. That's awesome. But if that's something in your Christian walk that you haven't done yet, I want to encourage you. This is something that God wants for you on your journey. He wants you to to, to be able to identify with him in front of people. Okay? But it's important that we, we, we understand that. And here's the, here's the great thing about it. Jesus did this as an example of obedience. Would you agree? Yeah, he did it. Hey, this is what my father requires. Let's go do it. And John's like, hey, I can't argue with that. But Jesus did baptism, right? As an example of obedience. And so then that means that Jesus would never do anything that he wouldn't ask you to do. Did I say that right? Yeah, right. He wouldn't do any. He, he would do what, whatever he's going to ask you to do. He already did. Maybe that's a better way to put it. He's already dead. So he's giving us this example. Okay, which is why baptism is the first step of obedience for a believer. And we can see this all throughout the book of Acts. We can see examples of this, of people who got saved, who heard the good news, and then they were told to identify publicly with their newfound faith, but they were told to do it immediately, pretty much, right? Let's look at some, some of those scriptures. Acts chapter 8, verse 12, and they'll be up here on the board. It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached to say things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus... Both men and women were baptized. It didn't say, well, years later they were baptized. 20, you know, like two months later they were baptized. No, once they heard the message, once they agreed, once they believed, it was like, time to get baptized. Let's go do this thing. Then we have Peter in Acts chapter, well, in Acts chapter 2. So when Peter preached his first sermon. The Holy Spirit fell. And here's Peter, and he's, he's, he's saying, hey, this is what's going on. And it's, the Bible says that people were cut to the heart. To the point where they're like, what must we do? What, what do we need to do? And what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized. Sounds a lot like John the Baptist to me. So it's a, it's a, it's a reoccurring theme. It's a reoccurring message. And then it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Can you imagine baptizing 3,000 souls? 3,000 people? Man, what a nightmare that would have been, I think. (laughs) Right? I mean, unless like all the disciples were there helping and so, can you imagine just one guy maybe trying to baptize 3,000 people? Man, be, man, how long are we going to be here, Jesus? Right? Oh, we're just going to keep baptizing until people, people are good. Then in Acts chapter 8, verse uh, 35 through 38, says Philip started with this passage and shared with him the wonderful message of Jesus. So, here we got Philip with the, the eunuch who's in his thing, and he's reading Isaiah, and, and uh, Philip shows up. And, uh, he, you know, he's like, hey, I, man, how do I even know what's going on here? I don't know. And then Philip starts preaching to him. Okay? He said, Philip started with this passage and shared with him the wonderful message of Jesus. Next, next one. As they were traveling down the road, the man said, look, here's a pool of water. Why don't I get baptized right now? Philip replied if you believe with all your heart, then I'll baptize you. The man answered, I believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the son of God. The Ethiopian stopped his chariot and they went down into the water and Philip baptized them. Immediate like, man, what's stopping me? See, that guy had no, man, there was nothing that was going to stop him. He's like, hey, I heard the message. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, the anointed one. So can I get baptized? Can we go and do this thing? And Phil was like, yes. So many believers in the New Testament were baptized that same day that they believed. Now, we don't necessarily do that in this time and day, which really, I think in some ways needs to change. It's almost like we just need to have the baptismal tank on already to go all the time. So when somebody does get that, man, we can get them and say, hey, let, hey, we're having a baptism right now after church, stick around, celebrate with this brother or sister or whatever. But see, we've, we've kind of like, oh, well, we have one every six months or, you know, so just kind of hang out and wait until that happens. Now I'll probably get in trouble for saying all that, but you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? But, we're, but, but there was this sense of urgency because obedience takes action. There is just this sense, right? And their obedience got them, I, and this is what my thought. Their obedience got them right on track with their faith by taking that first step. Because, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, I got saved. And then you talk to them, and then they leave. And then sometimes you're like, or, you know, a situation, they're just kind of wondering, Like, I think there's, there's that, that spiritual element to baptism that all of a sudden kind of puts them on this right track. That kind of says, okay, I made this commitment, right? I'm carrying out what God has required of me as a new believer. As a believer, I'm being obedient to what God has to say. Okay, so baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. It's an identifying mark of obedience towards God. Okay, it shows outwardly who we are leaning towards. Because you can get saved and fall right back into the same old stuff, right? But see, it kind of shows who you're leaning toward. Are are we leaning towards the culture or are we leaning towards God? Let me give you the second point. Baptism is the believer's declaration of devotion. Baptism is the believer's declaration of devotion. So the act of baptism is a believer's public declaration of one's devotion to Jesus. It's you telling everyone about your um, devotion and your association with God through his son, Jesus. It's saying that, man, you have experienced the grace that he's given to you. You have experienced the grace that God is giving to you, that unmerited favor, that love that you really don't deserve. And it's so good that you want to make sure you tell everybody Instead of holding on to it and keeping it kind of hidden. No. See, baptism is part of that expression. Man, this grace, this love. Man, I've never experienced anything like this before. And man, I want to make sure that I, I am just letting people know that now I am a follower of Christ. See, we kind of get this because, you know, what? We, 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 when we find the one that we're going to marry, we don't keep it to ourselves, do we? No. Usually what ends up happening is we get married. We have a big old wedding ceremony and we have all these people who come in, right? And to celebrate. And so what we do then is we do our vows and we talk about our devotion to one another. How, man, we're never going to, you know, um, through sickness and in health, I got your back, I'm there. We go through all of these things and we do it out loud in front of our family. And friends. Then we exchange rings, and then we kiss, right? And everyone goes, yeah, right. You know, and then you get, I don't, yeah, I guess you can't do rice anymore, but you get the bird feed stuff so birds don't blow up and explode, I guess. But, but then, you, you know, you get, you get all of that stuff. But see, you, what you're doing, though, is you're publicly declaring that your heart is devoted to only them. When I got married to my wife, I was publicly declaring that my heart is only for Heather, not for anyone else. And see, we, we, we get that. But see, that's kind of the same thing with baptism. It's almost like that marriage thing, right? I know I, I feel really guilty right now because I'm not wearing my wedding ring. I originally lost my really nice one. And so then I have this other one that's kind of uh, cheap and, and I don't like it. So I don't wear it too much, but I, I was going to wear it today. Cause I thought, well, I'm going to make sure I'm going to wear it because you know what, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. So I got to prove that I'm, you know, but I didn't, but see, the thing is, is I'm still married to her. Right. Even though I don't have my ring, but oftentimes well, what we do is, you know, when you have a ring on, that's a, that's a public symbol that, Hey, I, I'm taken. I'm devoted to someone. I'm, I'm, I'm there. And really what should happen is it should change how people react to you, communicate with you, encounter you because you've got this ring on. But you take the ring off, who knows? Just never know, right? And so the key, the key thing for us to understand is, is when we get baptized, then you know what? People should understand that, you know what? I'm going to approach you differently now because of who you are in Christ, what you have done, what this public decision, this public declaration that you have made. But see, it would be kind of a bummer if I just kept it to myself and didn't tell anybody that I got married, didn't tell anybody that I love Heather, yeah, right? I mean, think about how she would feel, how your spouse would feel if you'd never told anybody, and you know, and before you went anywhere, you would take a ring off, put it in your pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah I don't want anybody to know, right? That, that wouldn't be good. But see, we have to understand that that this baptism is just that ability to be able to declare, hey, I'm connected to the one I care about. I'm connected to the one who saved me, the one who who keeps just allowing this grace to to, to cover my my life. And and here, let me show you a scripture where, where Jesus does immense words. Remember, we talked about how Jesus, he didn't care. He didn't care if he came back or not. You know, if you all gathered and he was talking... He didn't care if he came back. He wasn't like counting numbers and checking everything out. He was all about just saying, hey, this is what it is. If you like it, great. If you don't, okay. So this is what he said. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. He says, if you openly and publicly acknowledge me, I will freely and openly acknowledge you before my heavenly father. I mean, take it into baptism. Baptism. See, if, we're, if we won't acknowledge him in, the, in this, this act of back, baptism, then man, that, that's, that's something that for him, it's like, man, I've got so much more for you. I got so much I want to give you, right? You're saved. You've got all this grace, but still there's something that, that and we'll, like I said, we'll talk about it in just a minute, that there's something about this, spirit there's a spiritual thing when it comes to baptism. Romans chapter six, verse three and four. So, so ba- let me just say this. Baptism is one way we publicly declare and acknowledge our devotion to Jesus. Romans chapter six, verses three um, through four. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed or baptized into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by your baptism means that we were co-buried with him so that when the Father's uh, glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so uh, so, so that we could be empowered. Key, listen to this. Empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Baptism does something. Right? Baptism, there's there's an effect to it. So, Paul's saying here is, right, when we get baptized symbolically, we are buried with Christ. And this baptism is a public declaration that I am dying to my old life. I'm dying to it. I'm dying to my own life. I'm dying to my own desires. I'm no longer devoted to people's opinions about me. I'm no longer devoted to what the world says, what, how I, I'm supposed to live. But I'm dying and being raised to a new life in him. I'm dying and being raised to it. So my devotion, so it's like saying, man, man, my devotion belongs to Jesus. He is my Lord, my Savior. Baptism is that public declaration. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Turn to whoever you came with and say, hey, you're a new person. You're a new person, Joe. Larry, you're a new person because I know you didn't have anybody connected. All right? The old life is gone. Kaput. Out of here. Right? A new life has begun. So if you want to grow and progress and experience this new life fully, then we need to be baptized. Yes, again, you are still saved. But there's an element to this. And so it's, it's much more than just a, a ceremony or a tradition. Or you, to say the public declaration is something spiritual and significant, which leads me to our third point. Baptism is uh, transitional. Baptism is transitional. Now, what do I mean by transitional? In the Bible, when you see water, it's usually around um, some transition that happens. Okay? So, for an example, Genesis. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters before creation began. So the transition was from void to beautiful, right? Okay, Noah and the flood as God established a new covenant after after he had uh, after the uh, he flooded the earth because of the wickedness that was going on and the sin that was going on, right? So the transition into the first installment of a covenant promise. And then we have the children of Israel, which we're all f- pretty familiar with this story. They were uh, delivered from, uh, from slavery and they crossed through the Red Sea. Remember that? They got delivered. They, they took all their stuff. And then, you know, if you watch any uh, like Veggie Tales or you watch, um, you know, um, one of those old, old movies with, with Charleston Heston, right? He was Moses, wasn't he? Right? But you get, they get to the Red Sea and, oh man, we're we going to cross. Oh, I don't know. We're going to make it. And then you hear the, you know, the, the armies coming up behind you. Know, and they're like, ah, Moses, what do we do? And Moses says, okay, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stick it in the, in the ground or stick it in the water. and then Or lift up the arms, maybe. I don't remember. But then the, the Red Sea parted, right? Did they cross over? They crossed over to safety, right? Yeah. Then the water closed up on the Egyptians. Everyone went, yeah, and got excited, okay? But then 40 years later... Because of their stuff, they have now crossed the Jordan River, but the Jordan River was at high tide. It was it was at it a high high flow. So Moses, no, it was was it Joshua or Moses? Man, my mind just went blank. But anyways, the priest had the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as their feet touched the water, whew, opened right up. They were transitioning, right? So. The Israelites who were in slavery crossed the Red Sea. They were transitioning from being in bondage and slavery to freedom. Then, because they just just couldn't get their lives right and couldn't get their heads right and couldn't get their hearts right, right? 40 years have to go by until they get to the Jordan. And then when they get to the Jordan, they're crossing over into what? The promised land. So there's transition that has been taking place, okay? Okay. And then, right, when you and I got saved and gave our lives to Jesus, right, we're no longer slaves of sin and of righteousness. We have been set free from that. We've been set free from all of that bondage. We became alive in him. So that's kind of a good, good picture there. So, yes, we're free, but yet we haven't, like, kind of even, we, we haven't quite made the transition into the promised land, per se, and then, then we then we go to Jesus, okay. Jesus that was baptized in the same river that the Israelites crossed over in to get to the Promised Land, right? And from that point, he transitioned from being Joseph and Mary's son to the Son of God, right? Where God gives him a shout out: "This is my beloved Son, in whom I will please." Whoop whoop, right transition he got baptized came out holy spirit descended this is my beloved son but there was a transition there was something that changed in him i I remember the day i'll never forget the day i got baptized um and and i think maybe i've told this story before but maybe some of you haven't heard it before so you're gonna hear it again but i remember when i was younger my mom and dad wanted me to get baptized and i really felt my heart i was not ready to make that commitment, I just knew something, you know. And I'm not saying I was super spiritual because I wasn't, but I just knew I couldn't. And so, um, until the time I really felt like, Yeah, I'm all in now, I'm absolutely 100% all in. And I, I remember going and getting baptized, and I remember coming out of that water, and man, there was something significantly changed in me, and I can't explain it to anybody, I just know that at that moment, because I knew the time was right, it was as though something had just shifted entirely inside of me spiritually. And that, that's my prayer for everyone who gets baptized, that they would experience that same encounter with the Holy spirit, with, with the Lord, where it's like, man, I I don't know why I didn't do this earlier, but we have to understand that, you know what, God wants us to just do it, be about it. So water baptism, that transitions transitions you into the promises that Jesus has to offer. Now, you say, yeah, but, you know, God's still doing some things in my life. I've never been baptized. Yeah, that's God's grace. But there's something about it. Like I said, I heard a pastor once say that, you know what? When we get saved, we're kind of on the other side of the Jordan. And then when we go to get baptized, that's when we're crossing into the promises and, and extravagantly uh, 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 an abundance of his promises of his word. Because we're, we're one, being obedient And two, we're showing our devotion to him. And just like he said, man, if you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. I'll bring stuff into your life that is gonna be way more abundant above all you could ask or think. Romans chapter five, verse two says, because of our faith, Christ has uh, brought us into, uh, sorry, I should read up here because of our faith. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory because of our faith. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, right? That's grace. Grace. That's God's grace, undeserved privilege, where we now stand and confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, these, I'm talking about how, how when we cross over into this baptism, man, it opens up a whole new avenue, a whole new ab- uh, ability to see God being blessing us, okay? Because if you go all the way back to the beginning of the message, God has said it's something we must do. Obedience, right? Obedience, when you start being obedient, man, all of a sudden it just has this thread where God starts to be more active in your life. And all of a sudden you start experiencing more of the abundance. But see, when we walk in disobedience, that kind of like puts a little stop to it in a way where God's like, yeah, I can't bless you the way I want to bless you. Cause I do. I want to bless you. I want to be there for you in every, every step of the way. He wants to, to provide for us. Uh, Philippians 419 says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory By Christ Jesus. So water baptism is not just a declaration of our devotion to Jesus. But spiritually it's a transition through the water into this new life with Christ. It's our transition into the promised life. Right? Where Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. Right? Right? Because God loves you. Not saying that you're still not going to find things that you're going to wrestle with or struggle with, or there's going to be things where you know things are happening. But you know what? I'd much rather be obedient and know that I've walked and I have transitioned through the water, I've transitioned into the promised land and be able to stand on that side of the ground and say, Yeah, but Lord, you're faithful. You said you would be faithful in all things. Even when I'm faithless, you would be faithful. Lord, help my faith. Help me to grow. So let's wrap it all up. Okay. And I'm I'm just going to give you a couple symbolisms of what it means if you, when you go into the tank. Right? What, what, what are the symbolisms of the things that we do that is in the tank? Water baptism symbolizes the death of my old sinful self. When Jesus died and I accepted him, I died with him. So we're acknowledging that. When Jesus died, I, when I accepted him, I died to my old self. My own wants, my own desires, my own things. Again, we're going to look at Romans chapter six, verse three and four. It says, Or have you forgotten that all of us who are immersed or baptized into union with Jesus, the anointed one and the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death. Okay? So that, that's just giving you the idea. So if you when you go into the water, then you know what? It's like, okay, man, I am identifying that I am dying to myself and I'm living for him. The second thing, water baptism symbolizes the burial of my old sinful self, okay? So when you go under the water, you are joining yourself in Jesus' burial. You're saying, you know what, my old self, you're dead. You've been buried. You you don't have a right now to pop up. Because, you know, sometimes that pops up. See, because I, I, I I've done this, then man, I'm going to tell you, man, you have no right to do that. Romans six four says, sharing in his death. Okay, remember. So we're getting baptized. We're in the pool. We're in the in the tank, whatever. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we are co buried with him. Okay, it's symbolic, right? Just like if I had a ring on my finger, my ring is symbolic of my union with my wife. Okay. The third thing is water baptism symbolizes the resurrection of my new life in Christ. So when you are buried, guess what? You come back out of the water. You are now, it's the symbol of Christ's resurrection. You are now saying that, you know what? I have a new life in Christ. And we are supposed to live that way. As believers, we are supposed to live that like we have a new life in Christ. We're supposed to be different than what the world is. Romans 6.4 says, So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Life. Like I said, when I came out of that water, something had changed spiritually in me. Something There was a transaction that took place, a transition that took place. Same principle occurs, right? Now here's the deal. You might not even feel that, but it happened spiritually. I guarantee it did because one, you're walking in obedience. You're showing others, man, I'm devoted to him. And now I've been resurrected. I've been raised into new life. And God is faithful to keep his word and he's faithful to give you new life in him. So baptism is our first step in obedience as a believer. It is the public declaration of our devotion to Jesus. And why it's so significant is because it's the transition we make into this new life with Christ. Now I'm going to give you one last scripture and then we'll, we'll close for sure. So if anybody's got a guitar, keyboard, and you want to play behind me, I would love some dance music, right? All right, here it is. So this is Paul. It's the very last scripture. Paul's talking to, um, to a group of people. It's kind of a mob, actually. Um, but he's talking to a group of people, and he's talking about his account of his salvation, which doesn't, you, when, when he talks about it, I think it's in Acts chapter 9, 6, somewhere around in there. It doesn't say anything in that, that account. But now he, he's giving this account. And he shares what Ananias said to him. Um, which applies to every single one of us as a new believer. Even as an old believer. Who hasn't been baptized yet. This is what he said. Acts chapter twenty-two, verse sixteen. He says, "And now, why are you waiting?" Ananias was saying that to Paul. He said, "Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord." And that and that that's that's the heart of this message. If if you have find yourself that man, maybe you've never done never, you know, follow the Lord in, in, in water baptism, then I, then I just want to throw that challenge out to you. Why are you waiting? You know, you don't have to worry about anything. This is between you and Jesus and a bunch of people that are going to celebrate and be glad and be happy because one, you're being obedient. Two, you're showing your devotion. And then three, he's wanting to transition you into the fullness, this newness of life that he has for you. And so if Ananias has to say it to Paul, then Ananias would turn to us today if he was here and he would say, what are you waiting for? Now, that would have been a great tie-in if we had baptism right now, right? He would have said, oh, sign me up, Pastor Scott. Well, I got towels. I got stuff for you to, he got a t-shirt for you to go get water baptized. But because our tank doesn't work, we can't do that. So I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit, and next week we're going to have baptisms available. And if any of you want to be baptized, any of you think, "Man, Pastor Scott, man, the Holy Spirit has been talking to me this whole week. I want to be baptized." Then let's do it next week, right? Well, it possibly we might dedicate some babies, and then we we'll also we might be doing some water bath. How great is that? That's that's like you know what? That's church. And sometimes, you know what, church, you get ugly, you get messy, you you know, you don't look to the T's and to the Nines. You just it's doing church together. And so I just want to encourage you, if that is any of you, then next week, talk to me today, next week talk to me, whatever. But man, we want to get you water baptized because we want you to follow the very first step, to be obedient, and then show your devotion and then, then go through that transition.